0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Gospel reading of the marriage of Cana gives us occasion to consider the state of matrimony. Many people, even some pastors, think that marriage is a secular matter and no business of the Church. But we must remember that from the beginning, marriage is God's institution. He created marriage. He defines marriage. And he will continue to protect, uphold, and bless his institution until the end of time. God created marriage for the temporal and eternal well-being of man. When Adam was still in paradise, God wanted to establish the first family bond. So he said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. And after God had finished this work, he himself led the first bride to the first bridegroom. He himself pronounced the benediction on this first couple. But from the beginning... Satan, the enemy of God and of God's children, has sought to dismantle and destroy everything good in God's creation. This includes marriage. He does this either by debasing marriage to the level of beasts or by exalting it far above the place that God intended. He will teach people either to think of marriage as a ball and chain or as a fairy tale that promises to satisfy every desire in the yearning heart of man. Either way, the devil intends to destroy the peace and happiness that God intends his people to have. Marriage is the foundation of all other necessary and beneficial estates. Without it, no state would last. Marriage binds the solitary together into families— even if you are single, and it's God's will that you remain that way, you were brought into this world and placed into a family and a home because of marriage. There has never been a nation so corrupt or a people so wicked that they have succeeded in abolishing marriage altogether, though our country is certainly trying. Through marriage, God provides for children protects women, and curbs the selfishness of men. And even unbelievers are blessed and enriched by God's institution, though they don't acknowledge God as the giver of this gift. In Luther's day, it was the custom that the clergy would show their disdain for marriage by refusing to attend weddings as guests. But Jesus does no such thing. Instead, he honors marriage by attending what was probably the wedding of a friend or a relative. And this time and this place is what Jesus chooses to perform his first miracle. We might expect that he would have chosen something where it appears to be more of an emergency. Feed some starving people, heal a suffering man, or perhaps raise the dead. And Jesus would do all these things later in his ministry, but he began by changing water into wine. That is, he miraculously intervened to bless and provide for the needs of a couple on their wedding day. This shows us how highly God regards marriage. Not only did he create it, but he sustains it and provides for the necessities of wedded life, it's likely that this bride and groom were relatively poor. Perhaps they ran out of wine because they'd served all they could afford. And this is one reason that couples today will delay marriage. They want to wait until they can afford the huge Hollywood wedding that society has told them they must have. But you don't need a big budget wedding in order to find joy and contentment. In fact, The more that a couple looks to their marriage itself as the source of their happiness, the less likely they are to find it. This bride and groom of Cana probably didn't have any of the things that the professional planners and the wedding industry say are necessary, but they had the one thing in their marriage that truly matters they invited Jesus to the wedding. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest, and let this wedding day be blessed. God will provide what is truly needed for a good marriage and a blessed home. After the wedding, many Christian couples are afraid to have children because it's too expensive. Each additional child will set back retirement by another 10 years. More children will probably mean driving an older car instead of the latest model. But Jesus teaches us today that if we trust him, he will provide. He has blessed the holy state of matrimony, and when couples enter into it by faith, they will find joy and contentment according to God's promise. Is this a guarantee that you'll have every one of the latest gadgets? No, but God will provide what you need. As any married couple knows, once the honeymoon is over, and sometimes before, there will be a host of troubles and problems. This is part of life in a sinful and broken world. Marriage might be the happy end of a Disney movie, but in real life, it's the beginning of a set of problems that you didn't know existed before. As a young person before marriage, maybe all you have to think about is yourself. It's far easier to be selfish and still make your way through life. But with every new person that God brings into your life through marriage, whether it's your spouse or your children, God is putting your selfishness to death, one blessing at a time. About a week ago, Pope Francis said something that caused a lot of controversy. Basically, he said, couples who choose pets instead of children are selfish. For once, I agree with him. To be clear, he was not speaking against owning cats or dogs. He was saying, choosing these over having children is wicked. It is. But pets are easier than children. Sure, God never said raising children would be easy. He didn't say that marriage would be without its crosses. In fact, you can count on the wine running out. It will. It does in every marriage and to some extent in every relationship. That wonderful person who initially can do no wrong will turn out to be a sinner just like you. And when one sinner is joined to another in holy matrimony, there are bound To be conflicts of interest. But where Christ is, there that union can find the new wine that never runs out, the wine that only Christ can give even in the midst of brokenness. It is, after all, our suffering that generally brings us closer to Christ. And there will be suffering in marriage, just as there will be suffering in every other station in this poor life. But through every cross we bear now, God is working out his eternal salvific plan in our lives. He must teach us that we will never find true happiness or fulfillment in another person. That unmet longing within the heart of every Christian, whether we know it or not, is our deep desire to be united to Jesus as his bride. Compared to this, even the best human marriage is only a poor likeness. This is perhaps the greatest reason that God continues to uphold his institution of marriage on earth because it is a picture however dim and feeble, of the glorious union with Christ that awaits the church in heaven. And when we at last are granted entrance into that wedding feast that has no end, then we will say, truly, Lord, you have saved the best wine for last. In the name of Jesus, amen.